Good morning. Come on, y'all. Good morning. Welcome to Embrace. Are y'all ready to praise the Lord today? My name is Jeff. Before we get started, I would, I would like y'all to keep me in prayer because I lost a granddaughter and uh, she was a special down home syndrome kid and uh, her funeral will be Friday. So if you can, keep me in prayer. But in the meantime, are y'all ready to praise the Lord? Let me hear you say amen. Say it again. Amen. Amen. Now I'm going to turn it over to our worship team. Let's give us a love. I invite you to stand with us. This is a song written out of the Psalms. The earth is yours. Let's sing it out to the Lord. Your voice, it thunders. The oaks start twisting. The forest sounds with cedars breaking. The waters see you and start their writhing. From the depths the song is rising And now it's rising from the ground And holy, 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 holy Lord The earth is yours and singing holy Holy, holy, holy Lord, the earth is yours, the earth is yours. Your voice it thunders, the ground is shaking, the mighty mountains now are trembling. Creation sees you and starts composing, the fields and trees they start rejoicing. And now it's rising from the ground and now it's rising from the ground hear us crying now hear us crying now and holy 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 Yours and singing, holy, 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 holy Lord. The 
what you say though the storms may come and the winds may blow I remain steadfast and let my heart learn when you speak a word it will come to pass great is your faithfulness to To the setting, same I will praise your name. Great is your faithfulness to me.
that we can be here this morning. We recognize that many of us probably feel worn down for what has happened this past week, maybe yesterday, maybe anxious for what's to come in the days ahead. We're at a time where we see the seasons changing. That brings a lot of excitement. But at the same time with change, there is fear, there's anxiety. But Lord, we want to block that out this morning. We want to recognize that that is not the center of our existence. It's, fear is not the center of our existence. Worry is not the center of our existence. We recognize that we live in a world where we're often put into boxes. We are pressured to be people that we were not created to be. And Lord, we lift that up to you this morning for the ways we feel inadequate, for the ways we wish our life was different. We recognize that you are in the middle of it all. And we want to rest in that. Let us not project just into the future. Let us not dwell in the past. Let us be right here in this moment, knowing that you are in the center of it.
Jesus at the center of it all Jesus at the center of it all From beginning to the end It will always be, it's always been you, Jesus 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 at the center of it all Jesus at the center of it all From beginning to the end It will always be, it's always been you, Jesus Jesus, nothing else matters Nothing in this world will do Jesus, you're the center, and everything revolves around you, Jesus, you, Jesus, be the center of my life, Jesus, be the center of my life. From beginning to the end, it will always be, it's always been you, Jesus. Jesus, nothing else matters, nothing in this world will do. church Jesus be the center of your church and every knee will bow and every tongue shall confess you Jesus 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 
confess to Jesus, 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 from my heart to the heavens, Jesus be the center, it's all about you, yes, it's all about you, from center it's all about you yes it's all about you from my heart to the heavens jesus be the center it's all about you yes it's all about you amen Amen. Well, it's really good to be together today. My name is John, and I'm the lead pastor here at the church, and just want to say welcome to each and every one of you. Um, I'm really excited to be back after being gone for a couple weeks, and it's just always encouraging uh, to be in your presence. Uh, Thanks to our wonderful worship team for ushering us into God's presence this morning through their music, through their readings, and through their, their presence here with us. Um, what we're going to do now is we're going to spend a couple moments um, greeting one another in a way that we have started doing since the pandemic. And basically what we're going to do is you're just going to turn to uh, about you know, three or four people around you. And I would love for everybody just to introduce yourself. Um, even if you think you might know one another, just go ahead and introduce yourself so everybody knows your name. And then I'd love for you to share something you're grateful for this morning. And then if you have a lament this morning, you can share that as well. Uh, there's a lot of Good things happening in our lives, a lot of blessing, but there's also a lot of hard stuff, and we want this to be a space where we can share both of those things with one another. After someone shares, you can just thank them for sharing and move on and let someone else go. And so for those of you who are introverts and you don't really like talking to people much and you just wanted to come to church, I apologize, Uh, but we do try to push ourselves a bit because it'd be a good way for you to get to know someone and just connect maybe with one or two people this morning uh, when normally you may not. And so... Um, y'all can have a seat, and y'all can turn to a few people around you and just share, and I'll call us back together in just a moment. For those online, I'd love if you all would share as well.
All right, why don't y'all take another minute or so, start wrapping up, and I'll call you back together in just a moment. All right, if y'all want to start wrapping up, that would be great. Bring your attention back this way. You're welcome to keep up your conversations after church. But I hope y'all had a great time of sharing with one another. I was uh, paying attention to what our online community has been sharing. Uh, You all may not realize this, but we continue to have a Pretty strong contingent of folks who are worshiping with us online, those who are still not able to get out for various reasons, or those who are maybe sick or traveling or still connecting with us online, or even folks who live out of, out of state and out of country. And so um, we're grateful for you all and grateful that y'all still participate with us, even when you can't be here in person. Just want to highlight a few things that folks have shared online really quick. Um, Jeremy Hankey, this is a really neat thing, is praising uh, this morning for his son Joran getting into the Learning Center, which is a, a school here in Lexington, and it's a wonderful answer to prayer, and his continued request is just that uh, his wife Carrie would find full-time job um, after looking for, for quite some time, and so we're gr- grateful, Jeremy, we've been praying for Joran, and just grateful he had that opportunity to get into the Learning Center. I know that's a great spot um, for, for many students. Jessica Young is grateful for the first week of kindergarten for her little one and that it's going well. Stacy Long, Stacy and Jessica and Orion uh, continue to stay connected even from Tennessee as they moved away. And Stacy is grateful that Orion, their son, is acting like himself again after surgery, but frustrated that we don't know if he'll get his vision back and probably won't for months. And so I know that's a hard thing, Stacy, and we'll continue to keep lifting you and your family up. Um, Ruth Stewart is worshiping with us from home this morning as well, and she is grateful for health, for home, um, every day God has given me, and for her family. So thank you, Ruth, for reminding us of often things that we take for granted. Dan Adkins is grateful for my job, he says, and I lament the ongoing violence and the willingness of too many to choose to be misled. Yes, I lament as well, uh, Dan. Thank you so much. And, and Ruth just pointed out, sometimes we see only the bad, but we need to look around at all the good as well. And I agree with you totally about that. So thank you all so much for sharing. Um, I'm grateful for being back uh, from a, a great road trip that my wife and I took uh, with Kai uh, to New Mexico. Some people think that we're crazy for going on a road trip to New Mexico with a six-month-old baby. Uh, but we did it, and uh, we, we survived. We survived the first week and really enjoyed the next week and a half. Uh, the first week was a little rough, but uh, we, we did good, and I'm glad we took that adventure, but I'm really glad to be back with you all. have a few just uh, uh, quick announcements uh, to share with you. 
When you come in, there's always an announcement sheet on the table. When you come in the door um, at either entrance, I encourage you to grab it. It's updated each week with new stuff uh, that you can uh, know about here at our church. One that I want to highlight is that the food pantry that we have here is in desperate need of donations. It's gotten pretty low, and we would love for your help in uh, providing for that. I will say that over the last few weeks and months, I've noticed an uptick in people who are coming here needing help with lots of variety of things. People are really struggling and suffering right now. And one thing that we can do here is just a very small thing, but we do have food bags that we provide on Monday nights, and we also provide those throughout the week as needed as people stop by the church. We also have snack bags that we provide for those who maybe don't have a home or don't have access to a kitchen. So a snack bag is just a small gift we can give for someone who might be hungry or thirsty as they show up at our church throughout the week or on Monday nights. And so in your, on the announcement sheet, there is information about what we need for the food bags and the snack bags. And so we're wanting to kind of build that up to a good place um, here over the next uh, couple of weeks. And so if you could bring stuff by, that would be wonderful. Um, one uh, meaningful thing that you could think about is every time the early church would come together and share communion, they would also share a meal and every time they'd come together, they would always bring extra to make sure to provide for those who didn't have enough. And so when they would share these love feasts, they called them, or these meals that were around the Eucharist and around communion, uh, some people didn't have as much as others. And they always made sure everybody had enough. And so when you come to worship next week, I would encourage you and challenge you to consider bringing some food. Um, you can go buy bulk at one of the places. You can order online and bring some things that would help us in our food pantry. Um, I know that, that our folks would be greatly appreciative. And Michael Stone is the one who kind of oversees that, and I know he'll be really happy uh, to have those donations as well. So if you have any questions, just talk to me. You can talk to Christina as well or Rachel, and we will uh, give you the answers that you need. And then finally, I will mention Common Good does need mentors for their fall after-school program. I know many of you all have participated in that. You can find more details in the bulletin um, announcement sheet and then also someone from Common Good will be here next week to share a little more detail about that and answer any questions you might have. So those are the main announcements I have. Uh, Laban, we've got another announcement, so don't come out just yet. Um, I will tell you that if you'd like to give a financial gift to support our church, you can do so by putting a donation in that box there or the one at the back of the room, or you can also give online. So what I want to do now is I want to invite uh, the members of our lead team to come up to the front. Um, let's give them a hand as they come to the front. Y'all can just kind of stand right in this general area here. You can come on over this way, close to me. Now, I don't believe, this is not every member of our lead team, but this is a good chunk of our members. And so those that were there this morning, we wanted to come up, first off, just to introduce them to you. Um, these individuals are part of what we call our lead team at our church. Um, some organizations have what they call board of directors. Some church have what they call elders. Um, this is kind of that kind of group at our church. They provide overall leadership for our church. They provide visioning, support, um, even accountability for our staff and for our church um, so that we can try to be the best and most healthy place we can be. 
Um, working with these folks here is uh, one of my greatest joys in ministry. I'm the kind of person who likes to work with a team, who likes collaboration, who wants consensus, and I'm so happy that um, myself and the other staff and pastors here at this church have this wonderful group of lay leaders um, to lead with. And there are many other leaders in our church as well who aren't part of our leadership team. I will tell you that every member of our lead team uh, loves Jesus, and, and they deeply love this church and want it to be the best that it can possibly be. Um, who knows, one of you might be on the lead team in the future, because these folks are just uh, members of our church and people who love this church, and so every, uh, every now and then we'll have uh, new folks that are added and nominated and recommended to be on that team, and then once these folks' terms are up, they'll rotate off. So today, um, we all came up here together because we want to give you an update about some really important work that we've been doing as a lead team together, really over the past few years, but we've just re- kind of initiated this process in the last few months. I couldn't be more proud of our team and their commitment to follow where the Spirit leads. One thing about, I love about our church is that we're willing to go where the Spirit leads, even when the Spirit is leading sometimes into uncomfortable places or difficult places. This announcement that we have today concerns that the work that we're doing right now around LGBTQ inclusion and our team is devoted to discerning the best ways that we can love and support our LGBTQ neighbors, both in our church and outside of our church. And I'll tell you that our work that we're doing right now is still in progress. And so this is just an update to tell you what we're doing. Um, and in the upcoming months, we're going to bring the whole church into this and really invite you all into this process with us as well. And so I'm going to read you an update that we came up with together for you this morning, and then after the service, uh, we will have copies of it here in the front if you'd like to take one home with you to read. And there's also a list of our lead team members on the back of it. Sound good? So this is like a few paragraphs, so just focus, pay attention. I'll try to read it as, as dramatically as I can, you know, to keep you engaged. So the lead team from Embrace began a discernment process three years ago related to next steps in our community around LGBTQ care, support, and inclusion. Our denomination, which you may not know this, but we're part of the United Methodist Church, our denomination is struggling right now with deep disagreements around the related issues. And we as a church and as a leadership, we see the pain and the rejection from the LGBT community that they have experienced from Christians across our world. And our leadership really recognizes the urgency of the moment. And we have entered this discernment process because first and foremost, we want to pursue the best ways to love and support our LGBTQ neighbors, both in and outside our church. We began our process three years ago in consultation with a group called Love Boldly. And they're a ministry uh, out of Ohio that empowers willing Christians and LGBTQ individuals to step towards one another in a more loving and more bold way. And together with them, we made some very significant progress uh, before the pandemic kind of fell in our laps and disrupted our lives a little over two years ago. And so they provided a really solid foundation for our work, and we've since restarted this process um, with our current group of leaders that you see here in front of you. And we're going to consult with Love Boldly potentially in the future as needed in the upcoming months. Our hope for this process is first, to allow our leaders and then the church community as a whole 
to honestly share their thoughts and hopes and concerns and feedback on issues of faith, sexuality, and gender identity. Our leadership is already engaged in prayerful discernment on how we can move forward together. And we're still developing our next steps, uh, but soon we're going to begin conversations with members of our congregation to glean positions and questions and thoughts. Our team members uh, come from diverse backgrounds and perspectives, and we enter this process with openness and a commitment to practice humility, vulnerability, and faithfulness as we prayerfully hear stories and study and discern together. And, and we, we really see in this divided and fractured world, we do take Jesus' passionate prayer that his followers would be one. We take that very seriously. And so we are united um, as a team in our desire for embrace to be a place of healing, belonging, and reparation. We repent for the attitudes and behaviors and oppressive policies of Christians, both in our local church and across our world, that have wounded and demonize the LGBTQ community. And we will keep the uh, uh, congregation updated on our progress, and we look forward to including the entire church in our process in the upcoming months. And our final goal is to clearly and specifically articulate how we will include support and care for LGBTQ people at Embrace and to provide a biblical and theological foundation for the decisions that we make. And so don't hesitate to reach out if you have any questions, or if you have any thoughts about this process, um, if you are feeling anxious or concerned about this process, that's okay. Uh, please reach out to me or one of our pastors. You can also reach out to a member of the lead team if you would like. Uh, we have an email address, leadteam at embraceyourcity.com, which is on uh, this statement that you can get from the front, and you can email that as well. I'll remind you of the words that Jesus gave his disciples before he left, um, them in the Last Supper when he shared this moment with them. He reminded them, do not be afraid. Remain in Jesus and always love. And that's our goal and that's our focus as we move forward together. And I could not be more proud of our church for the willingness to dig into this and not just, um, you know, accept silence. We, we realize silence is not an option. Um, I think all too often when it's divisive or difficult things, we often don't like to talk about them. And we just hope that they go away. And, and we know that's not the answer. Silence, um, there's that phrase, silence is violence. And I believe that that is often true. And silence does speak a lot. And so we've realized we can't do that. And, and I would say for me personally, I lament that it's 2022 and we're just now having these conversations. I mean, we did start three years ago. But for me personally, I wish that I'd been wrestling with this even early on and inviting the church into this at an earlier moment. But I'm happy that, that the spark was ignited in us a few years ago and that we have taken the steps and admitted that, you know, it's time. It's time to dig in and it's time to ask these questions and it's time to think about how we can be the best church and the most loving and inclusive church that we can possibly be. And we want to do that well in a way that honors and dignifies people. And so um, with that being said... Thank you all for coming up and standing uh, here this morning. I didn't make them do this, by the way. Uh, Rob is our lead team chair. Wave, Rob. Wave. Rob suggested that they all come up here and stand with me. So um, somehow I got elected as the spokesperson for this, but y'all got to hear me talk too much. Um, but y'all can go ahead and sit down. Let's give them a hand one more time for all the work they're doing with our church. And I'm going to go ahead and put... Uh, these down on the altar rail here.
that you can grab at any point if you would like. Rob, if you could just open this up from the front. So feel free to grab one of those on your way out. And like I said, if anybody has any questions or, or just wants to talk, um, if anyone is directly impacted by the things that we're talking about and it's deeply personal to you for, for whatever reason, um, we would certainly love to talk with you and, and hear your perspective. Um, and we're going to be specifically reaching out to, to you all as well in the upcoming months. But don't wait for that. Feel free to reach out to us um, anytime. Our doors are open to you. So um, I'm going to turn it over to our worship team, and they're going to continue to lead us in worship.
know. Let me just lead us in a moment of prayer. God, we are so grateful to be here together this morning. We're so grateful that we don't have to go at it alone. We're so grateful for the gift of this church and this new extended family that we have from all across the world of people who love you deeply and want to serve you. And we thank you that your Holy Spirit pulls us together and bonds us in a a powerful way. We're grateful, Lord, that we can find rest in you. We're thankful, Lord, that, that though I know most of us probably feel restless in many ways, that that, Lord, the, the closer we press into you, the more rest and the more peace, more purpose and meaning we can find. And I pray this morning we would have a powerful encounter with you. I know it's not a safe encounter to come in contact with you, Lord, but, Lord, I pray that it would be good, and I pray that it would be powerful and transformative for us to come in, in your presence and sit at your feet and be impacted by that fire that burns within you. Help us, Lord, to never settle for something other than than, than the calling that you've placed on our lives. Help us to continue to press into that. Give us courage this morning as we continue to to walk in these uncertain paths. God, we, we come to you today with heavy hearts, with bodies that are tired, with minds that are scattered and and anxious. And and Lord, we we see all the the, the, the hurt and the pain and the suffering and the lies and the manipulation and the violence that is happening all around us, Lord. And, and we're overwhelmed. We're scared. God, we need you. Help us, Lord, to, as we worship, as we connect with you, as we take communion, that help us, Lord, today to rise up, to rise up above a lot of the issues and problems that we're facing and to see things from your perspective, to be able to see a bigger picture, to be able to see the world, to see ourselves, to see each other with your eyes. Help us, Lord, to have eyes to see and ears to hear whatever it is that you want to do in us today. God, thank you so much for loving us. Thank you for sticking with us when we don't deserve it. And thank you, Lord, for always challenging us to continue to take the path towards more radical love. And I pray we could be people that aren't afraid, aren't afraid to love each and every person that, Lord, you have created, even, even, Lord, our enemies, as that is often the hardest one. Give us courage, Lord, to listen to your voice today. And give us courage to respond. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. So, I just, like I said, returned from vacation uh, this week, and we took that that road trip to New Mexico. It was quite the risk, and and it was great, and we had quite the adventure. Um, On Wednesday, when I got back into the office, I pulled up the, um, because we're following the lectionary this year, and I wasn't quite sure what I was preaching on this Sunday, because on vacation, you know, I shut that out of my mind, and I got back, and I pulled it up, and, and I read the text for today, and I was like, oh, gosh, like... Jesus, you know, you're giving us more challenging words today, you know. It was like, in a way, I was like, well, lo and behold, Jesus has got another difficult thing for us to deal with this morning. And I 
went into Christina's office and I was like, Christina, you know, spending the year with Jesus hasn't been very easy, actually. I thought it was going to be this, like, refreshing time to spend with Jesus, you know. Uh, but it hasn't been all that easy. And I said to her, I was like, you know, Luke's Jesus is, like, really challenging and really difficult and says a lot of really tough stuff. He just keeps making me uncomfortable every week. And our church is probably getting tired of it, you know. And Christina replied, she's like, well... Jesus is also pretty difficult in Mark, in the Gospel of Matthew, in the Gospel of John, for that matter. And she's like, perhaps Jesus is always going to make us uncomfortable. And I was like, oh, good point, Christina. Jesus does have a lot of hard things to say. People, when Jesus was walking the earth, and, and I love when I read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those, if you don't know how to read the Bible or you've not read much of it, start there. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those are kind of like the stories about Jesus' life. And I love when I read the Gospels to focus not only, not only on what Jesus said and did, but the reaction that others have to Jesus. And I'll tell you that sometimes people are amazed, it says. They're, they're blown away. They're so excited about what Jesus is saying. But I'll tell you, more often than not, people are furious, <laughs> disappointed, even outraged by what Jesus said and what Jesus did. People were kind of always trolling Jesus. They were even publicly shaming Jesus, threatening Jesus, seeking to bully Jesus. Jesus was at the center of so much drama and so much conflict. And if we're reading Luke's Gospel, though, if you've been going with us from the beginning of the year, we shouldn't be surprised by this, though. Because it was kind of said from the beginning, this, this, this is exactly what's going to happen. Do you remember, remember that old man named Simeon uh, where Jesus, when he was just a baby, just a few days after he was born, Mary and Joseph took him to Jerusalem to have him dedicated at the temple. And there was this older man named Simeon who was there who had a connection to God and he had been waiting for this moment. And he went up to Mary and spoke this prophecy about her son and, and listen to what he said about Jesus to Mary. These are not the most encouraging words. It says, Then Simeon blessed them, and he said to Mary, Jesus' mother, he said, This child, this baby, is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel. And he is going to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. And a sword will pierce your own soul too, he said to Mary. It's probably not the, the word that Mary wanted to hear about her new baby, right? That, that he's going to cause the rising and falling. People are going to speak against him. She's going to go through so much agony that it's going to be like a sword is piercing through her soul. From the very first days of Jesus' life, people were saying that this baby was going to be a threat, that this baby was going to cause a disruption and turn everything upside down. This makes me think of a, a show on Disney I liked called The Mandalorian. Did you ever watch that show? Um, yeah, I see some hands going up. Well, the main character, Mando, uh, he had to go to such great lengths to protect Grogu or Baby Yoda because this baby was so powerful, so full of integrity, so committed to justice and goodness, had the force moving within him 
that the empire and all its powerful weapons of destruction tried to control this baby, tried to capture this baby, and even wanted to take this baby's life. Jesus, even from a young age, was causing such a stir all across the empire. You know, we often talk about Jesus in very comfortable and easy and acceptable ways. And we say things like, He's my best friend. Jesus, He is my best friend. He is the lover of my soul. He's the beautiful one. When I was uh, in high school, they talked about Jesus was my homeboy. (laughs) The gentle, the wise teacher. We have all these really acceptable and nice ways of talking about Jesus, which I believe all those are true. But I think we need to have the fuller picture. Jesus is not always comfortable. He's not, nice is not how I would describe Jesus, just to be honest. We need a fuller picture. Jesus was dangerous. Jesus was very subversive. Jesus was very revolutionary. Jesus angered and enraged people all the time by the way he lived and the way he operated in this world. And in short, what I want to say this morning and play on this image a bit is that Jesus brought fire. And you think about Jesus. His fire burned within him. And fire hurts, right? Fire can scatter people. And Jesus sent people running and hiding and scrambling by the way He lived His life. But Jesus' fire had the potential to transform and to renew and to refine and to bring incredible power and ignite people around a new way of living. So I want to read our text for today. It's from Luke chapter 12, verses 49 through 56. The words will be behind me on the screen. And you'll see when I start reading this why some of it's a bit confusing. Jesus says, I have come to bring fire on earth and how I wish it was already kindled. But I have a baptism to undergo and what constraint I am under until it is completed. What stress I am under until it is completed. Do you think I have came to bring peace on earth? No, I tell you but division. From now on, there will be five in one family divided against each other. Three against two, and two against three. They will be divided father against son, and son against father, mother against daughter, and daughter against mother, mother mother-in-law against daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. He said to the crowd, when you see a cloud rising in the west, immediately you say it's going to rain, and it does. And when the south wind blows, you say it's going to be hot, and it is. Hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and the sky. How is it that you don't know how to interpret this present time? Jesus brought the fire. You know, Jesus was many things, and you know, a few weeks back I shared like over 50 names of Jesus you can find in the New Testament. Jesus was many things, but today I want to talk about Jesus as prophet. Jesus as prophet, and I think some of this will make sense as we dig into one of Jesus' critical and important roles that he took on. Jesus was part of a long prophetic tradition of both women and men who brought this prophetic fire to places and to people where the fire was often not welcomed or wanted. We could describe these prophets kind of like fanatics. 
They casted a vision of another world where God reigns and where justice rolls down like a mighty river. The prophets spoke truth to power. They intentionally sided with the oppressed. And they lived in a way that was consistent with God's heart. They weren't afraid to be different. And they often walked a very difficult and lonely road. The prophets, it's described in the Bible, had a fire burning within them. The great prophet Jeremiah said these words many, many years before Jesus' time. He said that God's Word in my heart is like a fire. He said it is a fire shut up in my bones. I am weary of holding it. Indeed, I cannot. And Jeremiah didn't hold the fire, and he let that prophetic fire out. And just like Jesus as well, they brought that prophetic fire. And Jeremiah, it led him into some places where he was hated. Jeremiah was thrown into a hole and left to die. Jeremiah was described as the weeping prophet because he wept so often because of the turmoil and the pain that he endured because he followed God's call. On the road to Emmaus, if you remember, after Jesus rose from the dead, there was two followers of Jesus that were going to Emmaus after the resurrection. They did not know Jesus had rose from the dead. And Jesus came up and started walking beside them. And they didn't know it was Jesus, and so they started talking to them, this stranger who was Jesus about Jesus. And here's what they said when they described Jesus. They said, He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. A prophetic fire burned within Jesus. And I'll tell you, most everyone, none of us really like prophetic fire. (laughs) When there is a person burning with prophetic fire like Jesus, what will happen is almost everybody in society will try to contain the fire, distract away from the fire, starve out the fire, maybe hijack and try to repurpose the fire for their own agendas, or even at worst, extinguish and kill the fire. But a few, a few throughout the years have taken the risk to lean into that fire of Jesus and allow His radical message and His example to refine them, to ignite them, and to change them for love and service to the world. And I want to be in that group. That small group of people who are committed to the uncomfortable and challenging way of Jesus. Rabbi uh, Abraham Joshua Heschel a Jewish uh, scholar and activist and theologian defined a prophet, and I think one of the best ways I've ever seen. He said a prophet is someone who is to be maladjusted to injustice. If you're a prophet, it is to be maladjusted to injustice. To combine very deep love and very powerful dissent. Painful rebuke with unwavering hope. I love this. This describes Jesus so well. Jesus had a very deep love and a very powerful descent. Jesus had painful rebuke, but he had unwavering hope. Walter Brueggemann, an Old Testament scholar, wrote a book called The Prophetic Imagination. It's a wonderful book. I encourage you to read it. Um, But he suggests that prophets have two main functions, to criticize and to energize. And we need both. I agree with him. Prophets, they criticize. They are critical thinkers. Prophets don't accept easy answers. 
They don't accept the official report that's given to them. They don't accept that exploitation and oppression and immorality and violence and deception are okay. Prophets are willing to grieve and lament the way people have abandoned God's desire for His people. Prophets are willing to talk about the things that people in power don't want us talking about. Prophets are willing to cause conflict by what they do and what they say. So prophets, they lament, they grieve, they speak hard truth, they, they cause trouble at times. But prophets also energize people around a belief that another world is possible. They aren't so concerned about whether something is possible or practical, but can it be imagined? Can we imagine a world different than the one we see now? We need some prophets today to energize us around a new vision, right? Because we, we got a lot we can be critical of right now. But we, I, I need help seeing a different way, right? I need help seeing that things can be different. Can we imagine a world different than the one we see now? So prophets hold on to hope even when situations seem hopeless. They present an alternative to the dominant way things are done. And prophetic communities, which I hope Embrace can be, are meant to model and live out that alternative way of living in the world. So they criticize and they energize. So now that we know Jesus is part of the prophetic tradition, arguably the greatest prophet to ever walk the earth, this text for today should make a little more sense to us. Jesus says something peculiar and kind of disturbing. All right, I'm going to put it on the screen. He says, do you think I came to bring peace on earth? No, I tell you, but division. Now, when I read that today, I'm like, Jesus, come on, man. Like, don't we have enough division right now? Do we really need more? You know, I think I'm like, what? I thought Jesus came to bring peace. The angels literally declared that Jesus came to bring peace on earth. We sang a song on Christmas Eve about peace on earth and goodwill to men, right? Jesus is described as the Prince of Peace. But division? Really? Don't we have enough division in our world already? Well, I don't believe Jesus was telling us here that His mission was to bring division. But I think Jesus is describing here the inevitable result of His ministry of peace and love and justice. This is what's going to happen. There will be division when you come into the world and live in the way that Jesus lived. Jesus already told us His mission back in Luke chapter 4. Remember when we talked about the beating heart of the Gospel? Jesus' mission was to proclaim good news to the poor, to set prisoners free, to give sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim God's favor and God's justice. That is describing a peaceable kingdom, a world that has God's shalom, right? But do you remember what happened right after Jesus lifted the scroll and read his mission to everyone in that synagogue in his hometown of Nazareth? His family and friends, they tried to tie him up and they tried to throw him off a cliff. He came proclaiming godly peace and justice. And you know what people did? They responded with rage with fury, and with violence. Jesus' radical life of truth-telling, integrity, and compassion, His prophetic fire was not well-received then, and for those who are truly following in His footsteps today, they are often not well-received either. Jesus was well-versed in the prophetic tradition, and He knew that those who follow His path of peace certainly would experience conflict as they pursue God's desire here on earth. 
Uh, Cornell West wrote a book called Black Prophetic Fire, and he talks about key figures kind of in the, the, the black freedom movement in America. And in one of his chapters about Martin Luther King Jr., here's what he says. He says, you don't find truth in the middle of the road. You find truth beneath the superficial, mediocre, mainstream dialogue. And the truth is buried. It's hidden beneath that. And when you connect to that truth, you have to take a stand. And when you take a stand, you're not going to be liked by everybody. People will try to crush you. People will try to lie on you. People will try to kill you. Like I said, he was kind of riffing on the life of Martin Luther King Jr., who both criticized the injustice he saw and experienced, and he also energized others, uh, people around this fresh vision of the beloved community. King's fire was kind of too hot for most people. You may not know this, but when Martin Luther King was killed, the vast majority of white Americans did not approve of him, and the majority of black Americans did not approve of him either. Martin Luther King Jr. was not liked when he died. Eventually, uh, he was too hot for people, and they eventually tried to extinguish his fire through his assassination. And even after his death, we see what's happened today. People have had to co-opt that prophetic fire and repurpose it for their own agendas as false unity and cheap reconciliation, which Martin Luther King Jr. did not stand for. I heard someone say this week that the call for decision is a call for division. It's a tough statement, but I believe there's a lot of truth there. That when we decide to follow the way of Christ, when we decide to follow in the footsteps of the prophet Jesus, Jesus who was consumed by that unquenchable fire, had that radical commitment to love, to truth, to justice, and freedom. When we make a commitment to practice radical love for God, for others, and for ourselves, we're not going to be accepted by everyone. It's just the reality. It is the truth. Some of you already know what this feels like. Many of you have been on a journey of kind of unlearning and, and trying to relearn and, and try to uh, think about how you can practice radical love for God and, and for others, particularly vulnerable people, and, and even practice radical love for yourself. And you understand that's not always received very well among others. Maybe uh, your radical love for Jesus and others has caused serious awkwardness and intensity at family gatherings. Maybe your commitment to love yourself and to set healthy boundaries has upset friends and family. Perhaps your intolerance of things like racism and homophobia and transphobia and bigotry has resulted in arguments and, and distance. I know others who made a choice to pursue a downward path instead of climbing a ladder of success and it's made people in their lives feel threatened. I'll remind you of the beating heart of the gospel articulated by Jesus in Luke chapter 4. Jesus picked up the scroll in the synagogue and read his purpose statement. He said, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And I believe the more that we embody this mission by the way that we live our lives, the closer we come to the fire that consumed the heart of Jesus. And if we get close to the fire that consumed Jesus, we will be uncomfortable. We will be challenged. We will be provoked. We will even experience pain. However, I believe the fire of Jesus, if we have the courage to press into Jesus, not just the easy Jesus, 
but the radical Jesus, then I believe that it can refine us and he can shape us and that fire will mold us and ignite us into being the loving people that God has created us to be. You know, over the last few years, I've gone through a lot of change in my own life, um, a lot of rethinking and reprioritizing and, and looking at myself and the world in a different way, and it has not been easy at all. As a, as a white man, I've had so much that I've needed to learn and unlearn, and I realize that there's so many blind spots that I have, and when I've been exposed to these things, it's been challenging, it's been hard, it's been painful, it's been tough. Growing is not easy, is it? <laughs> Shifting our priorities and focus is hard. But the fire of Jesus will continue to help us become more and more fully who God has intended us to be. And so it's a risk. It's a risk to press into Jesus. It's a risk to say, hey, I'm going to look at the whole of Jesus, not just the easy parts. It's a risk. But I believe if we lean into that prophetic fire, then we can be refined and we can be ignited to go out and make a difference in, in other people's lives. I'll tell you, uh, one thing I'm learning, and, and my wife has helped me a lot with this because she's been on a, an inward journey for a long time, and, and, and I think what I'm learning is to be fully yourself is very powerful, to really learn who you are and tap into the essence of who God has made you to be. It's a very powerful thing. And that's really the journey all of us should be on, is really pressing in to figure out who God has made us to be, tapping into that fire that lives and breathes within us. But when we become fully ourselves, that is actually very threatening to others sometimes. And it can be very threatening to those who want us just to get in line and be who they want us to be. And ultimately, to be fully yourself, to be the person God has made you to be, is to have joy, is to have life, it's to have integrity and wholeness and purpose. And that's the journey that we're on here. And so I want to encourage you all to keep pressing in to Jesus and that fire that burns within him. Press into the whole scope of who Jesus was and who Jesus was about. Continue to try to become one with him through spiritual disciplines, through trying to live your life in a way that lines up with what Jesus was about. And when the closer we come to that fire, the more we're going to be molded and refined and crafted and ignited and to being the people that God has made us to be. And I think that's the place that I want to be, and I, I want that for, for you all as well. And so uh, it's a challenging thing to think about, but I think it's also a joyful thing. Because being who we are and being who Jesus has called us to be, becoming more and more like him and following his example, is the, 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 brings the most joy I could ever imagine, and the most purpose and the most meaning in our life. So I encourage you not to give up, to keep pressing in, to keep taking the risk, to press into Jesus and what Jesus has for us uh, as individuals and, and as a community. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. <clears throat> We're going to share communion this morning, and like we sang this morning, we, we want Jesus to be the center of our lives, of our church, of our community, of, of everything, and we want to keep His mission and His way at the center of all we're about. And communion is a way to keep us focused, to keep our priorities in the right place. If you don't have a communion cup, then you can grab one at the door back there. Um, or there's some at the door there if you'd rather go that way. If you're at home, if you've got some food and drink set aside for this purpose, you can go ahead and grab that. Um, 
and get that ready. But let's bow our heads and I'll just say a prayer over these communion elements this morning. God, we come to you this morning and we are grateful that you care enough for us to challenge us. That you cared enough for this world to to be willing to critique and, and even criticize the way that we had got things wrong. We thank you that you cared enough to energize us around a new vision, a fresh vision of love and shalom and justice. We thank you that you didn't just leave us to fend for ourselves here as humanity, but you sent prophet after prophet after prophet, even when the prophets were often rejected and even killed for what the message that they brought when all they were trying to do was bring your life and goodness. We thank you, Lord, that you empowered these folks to come and to help point us in the right direction. And ultimately, Lord, we, we thank you that you came And you walked among us to make it abundantly clear, Lord, what we ought to be about. And I pray we would take that seriously. Take that seriously, Lord. Ask the hard questions. And I pray that as we share communion this morning that we would be challenged. We would be challenged not by just your death on the cross, but by all that you stood for in your life. All the things you said, all the things you did, all the people you reached out to, all the love you had to pour out, that would be challenged, Lord, and see it not so much as a burden, but an invitation to a different way. Help us, Lord, today to be humble enough, courageous enough to accept the critique, and that we would have eyes and ears to see and to hear the, the new vision, the the different way of being. And we had have the courage to walk in that path and see the light that is set out before us. Lord, we need you so much. Help us, Lord, to lean into that holy fire this morning. To not be afraid of the pain that it might cause us. And to recognize that it's actually part of the process of becoming better. Part of the process of becoming more like you. Lord, we want to be refined this morning, and I pray that our time of sharing communion could be a refining moment, a moment of helping us connect more deeply with you and the, and the burning kind of desire that lived within you. Help us to tap into that and be ignited for love and service to our world. We love you so much, Jesus. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for being there for us. Thank you for inviting us to join you in your work. Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. If y'all want to go ahead and get out uh, a little wafer on top, those at home, whatever food you have, I encourage you to take and eat. This is the body of Christ broken for you. Take the juice or whatever drink you have at home, I encourage you to take and drink. This is the blood of Christ shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. We're going to end our service just by singing a song together. I invite you all to stand together as we close our time. I encourage you all to uh, come to the altar and pray if you would like to do that. Um, I'd be happy to pray with you. I'll just be sitting over here if you need to talk to me or pray about anything. Um, Brother Rick's in the back, and he'd be happy to lift you up in prayer if you need that, and rather go to the back of the room. So let's just spend a little bit of time connecting with God.
good to be together today. Um, I hope that, that God spoke to your heart in some way, and I encourage you to really do what you can to try to hold on to that, think about it, write about it, talk to somebody about it, and really allow whatever spark was lit in you today to be something that you can kind of fan the flame throughout the week and let it turn into something more significant for you. Um, I want to remind you, if you'd like a copy of the uh, update that I read for you this morning, they're just kind of up here on the altar. You can grab one on your way out. If y'all could prepare your hearts for the benediction. May the love of God the Father, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all, now and forever. Amen. Go in God's peace. We'll see you next time.